0: Thanks for joining us today on RV Tech Talk, a podcast produced by the National RV Training Academy that is devoted to discussing ways to keep RVs in tip top shape and ways to make money fixing or inspecting recreation vehicles. My name is Greg Gerber, your host for today's show. Today I'll be interviewing a gentleman from Canada who is both an NRVIA certified RV inspector and an RVTAA certified technician. In fact, he operates business on both sides of the border and even serves as an instructor at the National RV Training Academy. Brian Carbonell started his business in 2015 by focusing on inspecting RVs. However, as he performed more inspections, he learned there was a real need for quality, competent, and qualified technicians. He completed the advanced training to become a certified technician in 2019. Today, the vast majority of Brian's income comes from fixing RVs, but he still carves out time to complete inspections, too. During summer months, Brian's operation is based in northwest Toronto. In the winter, he heads south to warmer climates and has been spending more time in Texas. A former corporate trainer, Brian loves teaching people, which is what he's been doing for NRVTA since the fall of 2021. But he also tries to teach his customers about their RVs as well. Brian was motivated to switch careers in 2013 when he and his wife Patricia bought a brand new fifth wheel and had to take it back to the factory for repairs three times. Brian had enough bad experiences trying to get his own RV fixed, and he heard a lot of stories from other people who bought RVs with extensive water damage or similar problems. Through it all, Brian knew he could make a good income by providing quality services to frustrated people. To tell us how he started his business, and what it took to grow into a profitable enterprise, please welcome Brian Carbonell, the owner of Tech Creational Vehicle Services, to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Brian. I appreciate the time. Tell us a little bit about your business and where you're located.
1: Sure. Thanks. Let me start by saying thanks for having me, Greg. I appreciate this opportunity. I am a NRVA certified inspector. I'm also an RVTAA uh, certified technician who also got my R-V-I-A, R-V-D-I, R-V-T-I, tech certifications. Too many letters there.
0: Absolutely. The alphabet soup.
1: I've been a certified inspector since 2015. As I did more inspections, I found out there was a real need for quality, competent, qualified technicians. So we've branched off into that. These days, a lot of my time is done doing tech work just because that fills my calendar more than inspections. And the inspections I do these days, just, I have to find a hole where I can actually do it in a reasonable time for my customers.
0: When did you become a technician?
1: I officially became certified in 2019, but I've been doing tech work almost since day one of going through what's now called the fundamentals class. I just found that there was a need for those folks. Sure.
0: Um, Where's your business located?
1: In the summer months, we're based just northwest of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And in the winter months, we go somewhere where there's no white stuff on the ground. (laughs) Oh, Actually, the only white stuff we want to see is on the beach. Nice, warm areas. Uh, Primarily these days, it's been in Texas. We're spending a lot of time at the the Texan RV Park at the National RV Training Academy down there.
0: There's a reason Uh, for that, I understand.
1: There certainly is. I'm one of their technical instructors. I've been a technical instructor with the NRVTA since, gosh, let me do some math here, since 2020, the later part of 2021. I love, I love helping people. I love working with the students. I love seeing those awe-saw moments where you can tell that nothing was making sense. And then just one or two words and then everything, you can just see that expression on their face where everything just drops into place and it makes perfect sense now.
0: Yep, I know. I've, I've experienced that as a student myself. So, that right. cool. was it challenging for you to go from a student role to an instructor role?
1: Surprisingly, not. in In my previous life, i I worked in corporate training for for the better part of twenty years. So, I've got a I've had a very strong training background. It was a little challenging at first, moving from behind the scenes in training to being the guy up at the front, stumbling over his words. But I learned really quick that it doesn't matter who you are, you stumble over your words. So just stumble over them. And if you say something really stupid, just make fun of yourself.
0: What do you like most about being an instructor?
1: Those aha moments. I like helping these guys understand what's going on. We originally got into business to help people with the inspections. And then we graduated there. Um, to do in the tech work, to help people fix the problems that they've encountered so that they don't need to cut their vacation short, that kind of thing. And this is just, the instructing has just been extension of that. The fact that I can teach a class of 20, 30 students how to fix stuff means my reach of helping people is just that much broader.
0: Was it easier for you to relate to the students having been in their shoes?
1: Oh, absolutely. There's there, when you don't understand what's going on, the, where I was initially, because prior to taking the inspection course, I actually had no RV experience. I had two years of full-timing experience, but that was it. So it was like all this information's coming in, can't make heads or tails of it. At least when I'm there, I can help structure that material into a very linear. Okay, dude, this is why, this is why that. Just to, to help them understand the concepts. All my students, they have access to me even after, even after class. I give them my email address so that they can email me with any questions. I like helping people. So
0: I have talked to a number of people who are working in the field who love that about being able to contact the instructors if they ever have a problem.
1: Yeah. I, and I think that's, I think that's one of the things that sets us apart is that when I did my initial certification with the RVI, RVDA, there was nobody that we could, that I could talk to that I had, if I had questions. And, but now having gone through the RVTA to get fully certified through them, now I know, okay, if I'm out in the field and I get really stumped, okay, I just pick up the phone or send an email to Terry or Chandler or Troy or one of the other instructors and they can help me out. And believe me, even after eight years of being in a tech, there are times where you walk into something and you go, this makes absolutely no sense. And just having somebody to even just listen to you explaining it helps.
0: I can imagine those purple monkeys pop up wherever they can. They sure do. What caused you to go into this career field, becoming an inspector and technician?
1: Back in 2015, my wife and I, we've been full timing since 2013. We bought a fifth wheel brand new and we were on our third trip with the fifth wheel back to the factory for, to deal with all the issues that we've had with. it. So this was just at the end of our two year warranty period. Found out, and I don't remember, it may have been from one of your previous articles about the inspector class, found out that the two weeks leading up to our final inspector final factory appointment to get our RV fixed was Cooper's RV. uh, what did he call it back then?
0: The mobile RV Academy.
1: Yeah. The mobile RV Academy, the RV campground maintenance technician, and then the inspection class after that were the two weeks leading up to that appointment. And I just did it so that I would have more information to be able to say, no, that's not right. That's not the way it should be because. Over time, I found out that whether they lied to me at the factory to just to appease me, or I don't know if it was intentional, I just I don't know the motivation. But I've just learned that some of the stuff they told me was just out and out wrong. So that's how we ended up in going down this
0: road. And you found out there's a need for these kind of folks.
1: Absolutely, we started doing inspections, and some of the stuff that we've seen is just okay. You. You're trying to sell this as pristine and that whole front corner is falling in because of water damage, selling to people unsuspecting that just don't know any better. So that's how, that's why we started doing inspections. And again, we found out through inspections that, okay, now where can I go? Because I've heard bad things about this dealer. I've heard bad things about this dealer, all the mobile texts in the area. We give them a call, we, their voicemails are full, they never return calls, their work is, I'll say, subpar. So that's how we ended up starting doing tech work.
0: When you talked about the inspections and people not knowing, that is a problem for new RVers. They just don't know enough to even know what questions to ask. So you're coming in there as an inspector, helping them in that regard.
1: It, exactly. And I actually, was it this morning? No, it was yesterday afternoon. I spoke with a potential inspection customer. He was a brand new RVer. He and his wife were looking at buying a new travel trailer. And we spoke probably for half an hour, 45 minutes. Things to look for, things to... Gave him some tips on... There's an RB, uh, one of the largest RB shows in Canada coming up in the next... In two weekends. So I suggest that he go to that sit down, figure out what you absolutely have to have in your camper, and then make a list of things that you would like. So that way you go in knowing exactly what you're looking for, and you don't have to waste time with stuff that, we like this, but okay, does it check all these boxes? Great. It checks all those boxes. So now that can go on the list for a further refinement of, okay, it's got this and this. We can live without the others and help them whittle, whittle down their choices that way without saying, stay away from this company, stay away from that company, stay away from the other company, because we don't want to do
0: that. Right. So the point is to get the RBers, get them educated as to what to look for, the kinds of things that they want, the floor plans, the design, etc., cetera, and then narrow yep. it down to the one they want to buy, and that's the one that needs to be inspected, not every one that they're considering. That's right. Okay. And as far as being a technician is concerned, how did you get your first clients?
1: The first client was, was a friend of ours. It was an electric toilet. It was my very first job, and it turned out to be a 40-cent fuse. Oh, my goodness. That, that took, I'm going to say it probably took us about three or four weeks to narrow down the issue. Long, long story. Longer than this podcast.
0: I can imagine. So what do you like most, fixing or inspecting RVs? That's tough. I like
1: inspecting uh, because I can just go what I can do. And I'm giving uh, my customers enough information that they can make an informed purchasing decision. RVs these days are anything but cheap. So I don't want people to waste their money on something that's substandard. And also, it not only does it give them okay, what's wrong with the RV, but how the dealer reacts to those issues, fix it now or get at the back of the line once you give us your money. So it it, it helps them understand the dynamic that they're going to be working with that dealer as well. So on that hand, I love doing inspections. Technician on the, on the other hand, most of the time, the customers are just So grateful that I come to them and they don't have to drag their camper in to the dealership and have it sit there for four, five, six, eight, 10, 12 weeks.
0: Absolutely. They can't do it if that's your only home. When I was full-time RVing, that was the big problem that I had is finding the ability to get the RV fixed while I could still live in it.
1: Which do I like best? There are some days I hate doing inspections when it's 30 degrees Fahrenheit outside and snowy. I would rather be anywhere except crawling on a reef. There's other days where doing the repairs, it's just like, why did they have to put it in that cabinet, around that corner, underneath that buffling? You've got to think like you're, you know, three inches around to get to that component to fix it.
0: It does make you wonder why the RV designers, if they've ever give any consideration to having a component fixed. When they were putting it together or assembling it in a way that had to be taken apart. What did it take for you to set up your business?
1: Ooh, for us, because we're Canadian, unfortunately, we didn't, we couldn't use the folks that the school recommends because they only do companies that are American based, which I understand. So what we did was we set up a federally incorporated company so that we, <clears throat> excuse me, so that we could work in any province. As well as being a status North American Indian, I can work on both sides of the border. So we wanted that ability for the company to handle income, US-based income. So it was, setting it up wasn't that hard. It was just filling out some corporation paperwork. The challenging bit that we're, some days we're still struggling with is our accountant. We need to find, we need to have somebody, and we think we finally found somebody. We need to have somebody that knows Canadian tax laws, U.S. tax laws, business side, personal side, because as if I'm working down in the States, I'm working in the States, so I've got U.S. personal income, as well as they have to understand how North American Indian tax laws play into that whole thing.
0: Does that mean you have to have two firms, one in Canada and one in the United States?
1: No, we actually found a firm that has got a seats in Canada and the States. Unfortunately, with a large firm like that comes with bills that are commensurate with that.
0: I can imagine that would be because it's a specialty.
1: Right. Absolutely. And we understood that going in. But just when you get that bill, it's just really...
0: You had said that you got your first client as a friend. How did you get yep. your first customers for your business? You started as an <laughs> inspector first, then brought in technician work, right? So, for
1: inspect, that's how a lot of my early customers, inspection customers came in. Now that uh, RV inspections are becoming more, more well known, um, we, we get a lot of people through our website. So it's a combination between the locator and the website.
0: Did you have to do any Uh, advertising?
1: We have not. I don't know if that was a conscious decision or if that was a fiscal decision at the time. Now we just don't have to. So it's it's never been an issue for us in that regard. It's neat that you
0: can have enough business to keep you completely employed full time without doing any advertising. I think that speaks to the demand. And the need
1: now on the tech side what we did was we went around to the local rv dealerships introduced us because we're fairly stable in one area in the summer we went to the local dealerships and said hey we're a mobile tech company do you guys have mobile techs if you do fantastic if there's anything that i can ever help you out with here's a few cards if you don't have mobile techs, would you mind taking my cards and if you have some customers that needs somebody mobile, would you mind sending them our way? So we did that and we built a fantastic relationship with really four local dealers. None of them have had mobile service. And we get, I'd, I'm going to say probably close to 40% of our business that way. That's start out as referrals from them.
0: I've heard that as a big thing now for mobile technicians because the dealers are starting to get some pushback from their customers. I don't want to unhook and bring my RV in. How can I get this taken care of? And if they don't offer mobile service, it's a phone call to you folks. It's a win to yeah. everybody, really.
1: Absolutely. And working with the dealers, I never went in as I'm your competition. I I always went in with the attitude, I am there to, to help. Your customers. Do you, you have know. to
0: work out some sort of a revenue sharing arrangement with them, or do they just well, have, pay your regular rate?
1: The dealership actually has no no financial interest. They just give the customers my contact information, whether it's a card or just here call this guy, and then the customer calls me directly. <laughs> now, having said that, if the customer says, "Hey, I got my I got your name from this dealership." If I need, if I don't have time to wait to order a part, I'll go to them and say, this customer needs part X, Y, Z. Do you guys have that in stock? And if they do, I'll buy it from them. And most of the dealers, they give me anywhere between 10 10% off retail. So it's a win for them because they get the money for the part. It's a win for me because I I do have a little bit of margin in the, the price for the part, plus I also get the repair. And it's a big win for the customer because their camper's fixed. They didn't have to take it into the dealership. Everybody's happy.
0: That's a great collaboration. Because customer does win. And that's what everybody should be focused on. Did you have to get um, any special tools or a special work truck in order to start your business?
1: No, what I started with was basic tools that I've had for probably the last 20 years. Screwdrivers, a ratchet set, socket set, wrenches. I started in a toolbox. It was probably 20 by 8. That was the size of the toolbox in my pickup truck. And that was it? That was it. Now, as I needed specialty tools for or specific size sockets or wrenches or something like that, then I'd go, Buy it now. I've got now I've got a set of tools that I keep up here in Canada, and I have a set of tools that I take with me when I go down to teach in Texas. So now I've got two truckloads full of tools and parts.
0: Do you inventory any
1: parts? I do. I don't inventory a lot. One of the distributor that I use, I can I, I get deliveries from them Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays. It's never more than about. 48 hours till I can get a, a part. There are some things that I do inventory basic plumbing parts, elbows, T's, connectors, excuse me, pax loins, clamps, those kinds of things, fuses, electrical connectors, basic little tiny stuff. I also keep a couple of control boards, one for water heaters and one for furnaces. I use a third-party third, third-party uh, third, third aftermarket board manufacturer so that I only have to carry one furnace, one water heater. I don't have to carry two furnace and five water heater boards.
0: Uh, do some suppliers require that? That if you're going to order uh, parts, that you have to order a certain quantity in order to order any at all? So the
1: distributor that I use, they've got a minimum $50 order, and it's really not difficult to hit $50. Bucks. Not even today. when you're, even when you are by non-retail prices,
0: I understand that your wife is starting to help you out.
1: Yes, we have, we're talking about a couple of different options for the business up here, because I do spend so much time down at the NRE one of them being hiring an apprentice. My wife is getting certified so that she has the ability when I'm down there to oversee the apprentice's work.
0: Oh, she's not going out in the field, but she is overseeing the people you are hiring to help you.
1: That's, we're, we haven't worked out all those logistics yet. Okay. This is, these are just some of our plans that we that we've been talking about. But she is getting certified so that at the very least when she, she does a lot of the back office stuff, so that she has a core foundation to be able to answer questions for customers that call. With the added benefit is if we do end up hiring an apprentice, she can oversee their work.
0: Have you encountered any challenges in the field, either as a technician or as an inspector?
1: Ooh, challenges. There's been a few times where I've been on jobs, and it's more on the tech side, that have just been beyond my knowledge level, my skill level. And I have to tell the customer, I'm sorry. but I'm sorry that... You waited three weeks for me to come out, but I can't help you because this is so far outside of my skill level, my knowledge level. I'm just upfront with them, and depending on how much time spent, how much time I've tried to figure it out from for them, there are times that I do charge them for the time that I've been there, but quite often. I'll just say, I'm sorry I wasted your time, and I just waive all my fees. No mobile service call, no hourly rate. I don't ever want anybody to feel like I took advantage of them or I ripped them off. I would rather eat that kind of, that goodwill.
0: Exactly. That's a good point. Did you say you have about a three-week backlog to get service?
1: Actually, it's dropped down to about three weeks.
0: Dropped down. Uh, Wow.
1: Dropped down. Yeah. Last year, no. 2020 summer of 2021, we are booking eight and nine weeks out.
0: That's incredible. It sounds like there is a still a tremendous need for this kind of service. There it,
1: absolutely is. I think this is a good industry for anybody to get into. Somebody right out of high school, all the way up to somebody that's looking for some part time retirement income so that they don't get a divorce.
0: Is it easy to get to full time income if they wanted it?
1: Oh, absolutely. It it really all depends on how much you're willing to work at the business as opposed to work in the business. There's work. Just because you book jobs from 8 to 5 doesn't mean from 5 to when you go to bed at 11 o'clock, you get to sit and watch TV. You've got parts to order. You've got invoices to write. You've got emails to write, customers to call back relationships to build with dealerships and campgrounds and, and those kinds of things. It's not, a, it's not a nine to five by any stretch of the imagination.
0: What could somebody who is just starting then expect to make within the first year? That's a tough one because it really depends.
1: It depends on a bunch of things. Number one, where are they located? If they're in an area with no demand, obviously they're not going to make a lot of money. But if they're in a high traffic area, Florida, Arizona in the winter, Texas down in the Rio Grande Valley in the winter. It wouldn't, if you're willing to work, it wouldn't be difficult, or at least I don't think it would be difficult to make high five, low six figures.
0: That's what I've heard from a lot of the technicians and inspectors as well. And that's why a lot of people are jumping into it, even on a part-time basis, to do it on right. the weekends, just to make a couple extra hundred dollars a, a week. And that's very doable. Uh,
1: Yeah. And it's one of these industries that you can work as much as or as little as you want. I know some technicians that book jobs from 8 o'clock in the morning all the way through till 10 at night.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah. I'm not interested in working that hard. I'm not. I'm just putting that out there. I'm not. So I typically only book two, three. um, On a busy day, I'll book four jobs a day. But that's it.
0: I would imagine if somebody were looking to a market to set up a business they should just count like the number of campgrounds that are in that area and that would give them a good idea if there's enough market to support a technician.
1: Yep, campgrounds, campgrounds and dealerships. You can be in an area with a large dealership population with no campgrounds and people buy them from those dealerships that are in the area. Mm-hmm. And they'll go camping, let's say they live let's say they live in New York City. Just as an example, there may be a large dealership population, but then they go up to the Catskills or out to the Poconos or something like that, camping. And something breaks, they bring it home, they call up a tech, hey, can you come out sometime this week to fix it or whatever, right? So it may not just be campgrounds, it's campgrounds and dealerships.
0: If you had to start over, is there anything you'd do differently? That's a really, I don't think so. Okay. I, I like where we
1: started. I like where we are now. And I like what we're talking about for our future.
0: Do you have any advice for new RV technicians or inspectors? Or even experienced if you have, ones? What the heck?
1: My biggest thing is, for technicians particularly, don't be afraid to read a service manual in front of a customer. Don't be afraid to call a dealership, or not a dealership, but a component manufacturer in front of a customer, you can't be expected to know all the ins and outs of every single component of every single RV made by every single manufacturer that's ever been made. You just can't. So, those service manuals are put out for a reason. That's They've got step one, step two, step three.
0: That's very and good. If
1: about- pick up the phone. Utilize. Um, utilize. To, and I hate that I'm saying this but you utilize the the Facebook groups the us particularly the RVTAA and the NRVIA Facebook groups those are all, those are private groups for RVTAA technicians and NRVIA inspectors you've got a lot of experience you'll get a lot of good information from those groups
0: relatively quickly too i heard
1: yes most questions, if they're not answered by somebody within probably about 30 minutes, it just means that everybody's really busy that day. <laughs> but most of them will have at least one or two responses within, within, within an hour.
0: That's very good and very helpful if you're on, stuck on a project on a customer site.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. How can people connect with you? So the easiest way is probably go to our website. And that's techreational dot com. T E C H R E A T I O N A L dot com. Our phone numbers there, emails there, there's contact forms. That's probably the easiest way to get all of us.
0: And there's no hyphen between tech and re- reational, correct?
1: No, it's all one word. Super.
0: Thank you very much, Brian. This has been helpful and I'm sure it's going to be inspiring to a lot of people who are looking at this career field. It just you are like everybody else saying there is a definite need and demand for RV services, especially technicians and even inspectors. So I encourage people to reach out to you if they're interested in learning more because they're going to bump into you at the Academy.
1: Absolutely. And I am more than happy to answer any questions that any, anybody has, whether they're considering uh, becoming an inspector, whether they're considering becoming a technician, um, whether they're Canadian or American I'm open to helping people. I liken it to having the conversation so I can just push them off the cliff to join the club.
0: (laughs) I'd forgot to ask, what do you teach at NRVTA?
1: I teach water heaters and furnaces. Very good.
0: Thank you again, Brian, I appreciate your time.
1: Thank you, Greg, I appreciate this opportunity.
0: I enjoyed hearing Brian Carbonell's story about finding success, starting his own business, Tech Creational Vehicle Services, and serving customers in Canada and the United States. As a North American Indian, Brian has a special status which enables him to work on both sides of the border. It required him to complete some special paperwork to find an accountant who is familiar with both Canadian and US tax laws. To build awareness of his services, Brian first met with local RV dealerships and offered to perform mobile RV services for their customers who didn't want to bring their RV in for repair. Today Brian gets between 40 and 45% of his business from that collaborative relationship. He did not have to get any special tools to start his business because he had accumulated basic tools over the years, but he does keep a set of tools in Canada and keeps another set on his truck when he heads to the United States. Because Brian can often get parts within a day or two of needing them, he does not maintain a large inventory of parts, especially of the more expensive items like furnaces and water heaters. Brian's wife, Patricia, is in the process of completing her training to become a certified RV technician. She may not fix RVs herself, but the training will enable her to better supervise an apprentice in Canada when Brian is teaching classes in Texas. It will also help her to better understand what a customer needs when calling for service. Demand for RV services often requires a three-week wait for Brian's clients, which was down from a nine-week wait in 2021. Brian encourages everyone from high school students contemplating a good-paying career to retirees looking for part-time income to consider becoming mobile RV technicians. The amount of income people can make as RV technicians and inspectors is limited only by how many hours they want to work each week and how far they want to travel to complete a repair or perform an inspection. People can connect with Brian by visiting his website at www.techreational.com. There they will find Brian's phone number and email address. Today's episode was sponsored by the National RV Training Academy in Athens, Texas. The Academy's one-week live training or home study course will teach you everything you need to know to fix about 80% of the problems people experience with their RVs. You can also sign up for additional training to become an RV inspector, campground technician, or to provide mobile RV service. For more information, visit www.nrvpa.com. That's all for this week's show. The podcast will be taking a break for a while because I need to focus on my new business. That means when RV Tech Talk resumes, there will be a new host interviewing RV technicians and inspectors. I'm sure it will be fantastic. All of us at the National RV Training Academy, National RV Inspectors Association, and RV Technician Association of America invite you to check out the fabulous business opportunity that exists to help others on a full or part-time basis. So thank you for listening to today's episode of RV Tech Talk.